a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. Alright, it is Monday morning, it is, well, it's 26 minutes to the hour of nine, I'm joined by Jeffrey Miller and John Moore, Morena to you both. Kia ora koutou. Good morning. How are we, chaps? Good. Yeah, very well. Marvellous, marvellous. Um, Labour had their annual conference uh, in Whanganui over the weekend, uh, no doubt they'll be looking uh, to turn the page on a bit of a disaster of a year. Um, with the terrible handling of sexual assault allegations being the low point of a year full of broken promises and some scandals. Um, what was the conference all about, John? Well, the conference uh, technically is, a, is the highest democratic body of the Labour Party. Uh, so in the sense where, with government, it's Parliament. Uh, that is the highest sovereign body, other than the Queen. Uh, with the Labour Party, it's their conference, uh, which, is, in theory, is meant to go through all their remits and policies, etc., vote for the President, um, um, vote for various um, uh, bureaucratic positions in the Labour Party. But in reality, as with most political party conferences now, it, it, it's a way of rallying the troops, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a way of um, it's a propaganda exercise for the, for the party uh, with its dealings with the media, and so we've seen that with the Labour Party's announcement of a huge uh, cash injection into public schools, state mm-hmm. schools in New Zealand. So, th- in reality, um, party conferences, although they should be uh, robust and uh, environments where there's real debate and a real clash of ideas, uh, and where different factions of the party, formal or not, and tend not to have formal factions in New Zealand, but where different um, groups within the party are able to advocate what their vision is for the party. We tend not to get that in in conferences in New Zealand. They're very tightly controlled, um, and especially when you have leaders giving long speeches and uh, you have set sessions uh, that aren't about policy, then it's it's very easy for the, the, the top leadership of the party to really control their own conferences and make sure that uh, the rabble, uh, mm. the general membership, don't get out of control. Um, right, John's just mentioned the $400 million injection into school infrastructure, uh, which is um, the first project to be announced in the government's infrastructure package. Uh, were there anything else, uh, anything else come up there, Jeffrey? Uh, yes, well, on, on Saturday, Grant Robertson, the uh, finance minister, he announced that uh, Labor's going to change tack and spend a lot of money on infrastructure. He's promising spending in the billions. We're going to get specifics on this before Christmas. So this $400 million, which is going to schools, is only the start. And this is quite a big turnaround for Labor. And remember, we've talked about this on this slot before, that um, Labour has restricted itself, Labour and the Greens have restricted themselves, particularly with the budget responsibility rules, uh, which means that they cannot uh, have more than 20% debt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, now Grant Robertson is saying, well, borrowing costs are very low, uh, so we should be spending on infrastructure. And there's a whole whole lot of room to catch up on in terms of... uh, Roading, hospitals, schools was what mentioned, um, and you know this would be a really big spend up. Now, of course, it coincides with election year, uh, so it could be seen yeah. as a bit cynical. And I mean, a lot of critics have been saying this, you know, for a long time now. Why isn't Labour spending up? 
uh, why are they trying to save a whole lot of money at a time when it is money is almost essentially free for the government um, in terms of borrowing costs and there are big deficits in infrastructure with the huge population growth that New Zealand's experienced over the last 10 to 20 years mm-hmm. um, so this is a this is a big change not entirely unexpected because uh, as I said it is an election year next year and obviously if you're all the government in power spending money is one of the big levers that you've got um, uh, but you know, I, I guess critics will say this is a bit cynical. Uh, Simon Bridges is on record as saying, "Oh well, you know, this is what governments always do. They have to spend money, and this is catch up, and, and so on." Uh, but I think this is what a lot of critics of Labour have been been calling for, and and so yeah, it will be really interesting to see exactly what the details are. Uh, of that package. I think they're coming out on December the 11th. All right, all right. Um, There's a new president, John, um, after the former president had to step down uh, over the handling of the sexual assault allegations. Who is new president and what does the president do? The president is the the, the sort of ultimate bureaucratic position within the Labour Party, uh, um, dealing with um, finances, um, uh, dealing with general administration of the party, um, with its membership, um, and also preparing the party for election as well. when we look at um, the difference, say, with the Prime Minister, is that the, um, the Prime Minister needs to be more, and, and Cabinet Ministers need to be more careful at how they promote the party, that there's a clear differentiation, or there's meant to be a clear differentiation between their role as elected representatives and their role as advocating for the political party they're part of, whereas the President uh, is free to uh, to advocate for the party because that's their role. That's yeah. what they're paid to do. Um, so we have clear Zabo. Uh, I think is how you pronounce her name, um, uh, who's now the president of the Labour Party, um, uh, a, a, a very well-experienced uh, woman in, 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 as a chief executive of Habitat for Humanity. So she's got the experience at a, at a high managerial level, uh, but also for an organisation that has a, a strong social aspect or a central social aspect uh-huh. uh, to it. Um, I think with with all the allegations of uh, a cover up around sexual assault with the Labour Party and and, and how that that's really sort of um, I think it's been of major concern to party members a large proportion of the party members and and, and could have thrown the party into the crisis so they really needed uh, a, a strong female figure uh, to lead the party um, and I think that's why um, um, the alternative was the um, uh, was a, a Maori uh, member of the Labour Party running for president as well um, and there are problems that Labour is the um, uh, only political party that doesn't have a Maori leader in terms of in parliament or in um, the general party so I, I think there would have been a tendency to elect a Maori leader uh, except uh, with all these sexual assault allegations they definitely needed a strong woman figure to come in and, and, and be seen as to take control of the party and to deal with the crisis that's been going on in the party mm-hmm. and, and with that crisis I mean what's going on there we've seen um, a case pretty much get thrown out of court last week uh, with the um, prosecution basically not even putting up a case, which seems very dodgy to me. Very dodgy. 
Yeah, so uh, that's going back to uh, to the Labour Party youth camp of a couple of years ago, and um, uh, yes, accusations um, and admittance of that there was sexual assault that happened. Um, uh, this has been of real concern to the party membership, um, and so. Um, Jacinda Ardern addressed that when she spoke to um, the, the party and, and did make that a central issue of her her speech, saying that we are not a perfect organisation, uh, we're on a journey, uh, we're learning important lessons. So this is normal platitudes that mm. <laughs> any uh, politician would, would say in regards to this type of crisis. Um, there the, the are two reviews currently uh, going on in relation to these sexual assault allegations, whether they'll be made public public or not is a big question and I suspect only parts of uh, these inquiries will be made public. Uh, there, there was also um, an organised meeting um, um, alongside the conference or part of the conference to deal with um, uh, how members, uh, how there should be a safe environment uh, created for members and, and how to deal with problems when they come up. Um, to be cynical, I would have to say that uh, um, I don't think Labour is still de dealing with this issue of sexual assault openly mm. and, and candidly. Uh, I, I feel that they are still trying to bury it as much as they can. They couldn't completely bury it because there were so many concerns from general party members. Um, but the fact that uh, no reports have been released yet um, and, um, and and the fact that they seem to be wanting to keep a lot of the discussion in-house, I don't think are, are a good signal that Labour is actually dealing with this in, in, in a moral way. I think they're dealing with it partly in a moral way. Yes, uh, certainly lots of members will be aghast at the sexual assault allegation, but also politics is at play here, how, mm. how to minimise the damage from this crisis. All right, uh, moving on to the National Party. They've been accused, uh, as of late, along with New Zealand First, of being kind of out of touch with the youth, having a very old... Um, type um, old faces within within their um, within the party, uh, and now they have gone to the extreme of selecting a seventeen-year-old in the Palmerston North electorate. Who is this seventeen-year-old, Jeffrey, and uh, how did they get the role? Well, his name is William Wood. Uh, he's seventeen. He will be eighteen in January, uh, and he beat out three other quite strong candidates who all happen to be female. Um, and including the previous candidate there in Palmerston North, Adrian Pierce, who seemed to be quite a hard worker for the party. So it does seem to be quite significant. Uh, he, William Wood, the 17-year-old, he is quite an impressive young man. Uh, he's, he was a youth MP this year, a youth diplomat, represented New Zealand at a diplomacy competition in Australia, uh, head of the school debating team, member of the Palmerston North Youth Council. Uh, you know, he's a high achiever when you look at his CV. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, this is a very, very young uh, person to choose. Uh, I went and looked. I mean, I thought, oh, well, Todd Barclay, he was also very young. But actually, he was significantly older. Um, he was uh, 23 when he became an MP. So he might have been selected when he was a little bit younger, but still into his 20s. Uh, and the same goes for uh, the other ones that you would think of, like Chloe Swarbrick, uh, for example, in the Greens, or Darren Hughes, who was a high-flying Labour MP for a while. Uh, he was elected at age 24. Uh, if you go back further in history, Marilyn Waring, she was elected as a national MP in 1975, aged 23 as well. So it seemed to me previously that the threshold was about this 23-year-old mark. And in fact, William Wood, the 17-year-old uh, 
candidate, he will be the youngest MP that New Zealand's had, if elected, mm-hmm. uh, since 1853, uh, when there was a 20-year-old elected. So it is something new to see a teenager being selected as a, a candidate for uh, one of the major parties. Um, now, the question is then, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, he seems to be a good candidate. He was uh, going up against Joe Hayes, uh, who was actually in the news over the weekend. She's a, a National List MP, mm-hmm. uh, so she currently is in Parliament. Uh, and she was in the news for all the wrong reasons over the weekend for sending out a drunken tweet, yes. uh, abusive tweet. So maybe, uh, you know, it kind of proved the selectors right, the uh you know the the local party members in Palmerston North, and it and it's a local decision. Um, the National Party really does leave the candidate selection up to the local electorate committees, which is different to uh, Labour, where the head office actually has quite a large say. Um, National is quite a local decision, um, so I don't think you can say, "Oh, this is Simon Bridges wanting to," uh, you know, make inroads with the youth or something. But um, you know. I don't know what John's views on this. You know, is it is it too young to be an MP, John, or you think this is a, a good thing? No, I think I think it's a it's a good thing. Um, I, the fact is that people within the eighteen can vote uh, are part of um, legally now part of the democratic system, and um, it, it all comes down to the idea of. Um, yes, politics should be primarily about policies and big ideas, but what political uh, theorists call the politics of presence, that is the need to have people that look like you and are from similar demographic groups as you mm-hmm. in the political sphere is important as well. And the fact is that we're in an age where... Um, <coughs> Uh, genera- well, millennials and Generation Z are becoming increasingly political mm-hmm. uh, and I think political parties will see it, it's more and more necessary to uh, have young people who are actually within um, the top levels of, of, of politics. Yes, of course experience is important and, and there's always a danger if someone gets who's young immediately gets um, a position in politics and they become a career politician um, but you know, there's uh, plenty of career politicians in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, so um, I don't think that's a strong argument necessarily. Um, Yeah, and um, I mean, I think um, being young doesn't uh, discount your views, and um, I've certainly met lots of young people who I think are very astute and very onto it about politics, and Mm -hmm. there's lots of older people who aren't very onto it about politics, and vice versa, of course, but um, yeah. Hmm, I wonder where he'll sit on the list. Well, that's the big question. I mean, as it stands, he's going up against Ian Lees Galloway, who's a a cabinet minister, and and Palmerston North is quite a safe seat for Labour. So it would seem to me it would be unlikely that uh, he would win the seat, uh, that any national candidate at the moment would win the seat. But, uh, you know, he may well be given a winnable position on the party list. If the party wants to bring in a young person who's talented, uh, then then why not? Um, You know, one of Nationals, I think, positive attributes in the last decade or so has been the rejuvenation they've got consistently they've got rid of deadwood as they would call it um you know we saw maggie barry announce her retirement uh recently which i think is is a good move um she's been in the news for the wrong reasons in the last couple of years over bullying allegations and just seems to have uh you know reached the end of her shelf life um to be honest in politics and there have been a number of mps who announced their retirement with the national 
uh, or have moved on, whatever. And I do think this is healthy for a party to constantly refresh. And National's done that uh, better than perhaps other parties have in the past, uh, where people tend to cling on to their their jobs. Um, but the National Party base, I don't think, is convinced of having this this young guy. I mean, they spend a lot of time criticising the likes of Jacinda Ardern or Chloe Swarbrick for not having enough real-world life experience. Um, I went on to KiwiBlog, which is a, sort of the home of the National base or a section of it, uh, and the comments on uh, William Wood, the 17-year-old, being selected were, were, were quite negative overall. Um, David Garrett, who's the former ACT Party MP, um, he said, oh, Superman, which this kid appears to resemble, is not qualified to be an MP. There's simply no substitute for life experience. Um, come back in 10 years, young man. Wow. Uh, now, we should say, David Garrett uh, ended up resigning from Parliament in disgrace after it was revealed that he stole a dead baby's identity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's important to you know, remember. Like, we see MPs... Uh, making mistakes and, and stuffing up all the time. We've seen our own Claire Curran from Dunedin South. Um, she's well into her 50s. She's quite old, uh, old enough to know better, and she made a whole lot of blunders which led to her resigning f- from her job as a minister just uh, less than a year into the job. Um, you know, go back a few years, you had Aaron Gilmore, who mm. was a national MP, who did a do, do you know who I am routine. And, um, <laughs> And Hannah Springs, and he ended up resigning. He was age 40. You know, so, you know, we've seen young MPs make mistakes. We've seen older MPs make mistakes. Mm. I don't think that age, young being young, makes you any more likely to, to do stupid things in Parliament uh, based on what we've seen. Um, you know, we have seen young MPs like Todd Barclay, um, like Darren Hughes, ending up resigning over scandals, but Chloe Swarbrick equally seems to have not really put a foot wrong. So mm. uh, age doesn't seem to be a uh, you know a, a problem really. Uh, it's the individual's personality which counts. That's right. Right, and finally, uh, let's move on to uh, Trump's impeachment hearings. Uh, they've been going on in Washington, uh, and they've been quite entertaining actually. I've been watching <laughs> quite a lot. Um, uh, but why is he being why is he being impeached? I mean, I think most people might know, or or, the, or they might uh, have been tied up with um, what happened with the Russian investigation, and, ma- and maybe they think that's why. But that's not why at all, is it, John? Yeah, in, in this specific case, um, the, the president Donald Trump is being impeached over accusations that he pressured the Ukrainian um, president uh, to to uh, initiate inquiries into um, Biden, uh, who, who's uh, at the moment Joe Biden's um, just the most uh, slightly the most popular uh, choice for Democratic candidate for president. No malarkey, Matt. No malarkey. That's his. Uh, that's his. That's his thing on the side of his bus. Oh, really? Biden. No malarkey. <laughs> okay. That's his slogan. <laughs> Kids don't even know what malarkey means. Actually, I don't know what malarkey yeah, means. No malarkey. <laughs> oh, malarkey is you know like no shitting around. Oh right. Okay. Sort of like no nonsense. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah. No nonsense. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and also his son Hunter um, uh, Biden uh, had a position within the oil industry within Ukraine as well. So there are possible um, uh, real substance to accusations of corruption against um, Hunter Biden and perhaps Joe Biden. Um, but anyway, um, 
the revelation was that uh, information was leaked that Donald Trump had a, had phone conversations with the Ukrainian president and put pressure on him to initiate an investigation to go public uh, in terms of uh, with the American media over um, alleged concerns um, over the Bidens, and uh, and and the the allegation is that. Um, Basically, um, a bribe, a, a form of bribery was going on when Trump was um, um, saying that um, military and political support for Ukraine against Russia was conditional on um, on um, the president coming out against the Bidens. So, yeah, this is pretty serious stuff. Um, however, it, it's not a um, it's not an actual. Uh, independent court that, that has carried out these impeachment process. It's the House of Representatives, which the Democrats um, have a majority in. Um, the next step, if, the, if, if it's ruled that um, Trump acted illegally and should be impeached, then it will go to the Senate. The Republicans control the Senate, so it's more than likely, almost 100% likely that um, um, that the, the case will be thrown out by the Senate, effectively, yeah. which is what we saw with Clinton, uh, mm. when Bill Clinton uh, was accused of lying over um, um, sexual uh, um, fun and games in the White House. Um, yes, uh, uh, the same thing happened. The House of Representatives impeached him, went to the Senate, uh, Democrats controlled the Senate, and they threw the case out. So, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the key moments, Geoffrey? Yeah, well, the key moment so far seems to have been uh, the appearance of the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sundin. Um, he uh, gave quite devastating uh, testimony um, that uh, he and other senior officials worked with uh, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, uh, quote, the express direction of the President of the United States. Uh, to secure an investigation of Joe Biden in exchange for a White House visit by the uh, Ukrainian uh, President Zelensky. Um, and he said, quite devastatingly, uh, Gordon Sundin, we followed the President's orders, which as close as you can get really to a smoking gun, uh, really. So that was, that's been, the, I think, the biggest moment so far. I mean, there's been other evidence from various figures uh, which you know, point towards wrongdoing on the part of Trump. Um, but I think... You know, aside from the phone call itself between Trump and Zelensky, uh, this is the, the biggest piece of evidence and in some ways bigger, really. So I think this pretty much assured that um, Trump will be impeached by the House. As John said, the uh, majority favours the Democrats in the House. They control 235 seats out of 435. Um, that's been the case since the start of the year uh, after the 2018 midterm elections. So Democrats control the House. They will find uh, that you know, this is an impeachable offence. Um, there's some paperwork around that, but then it essentially goes to the Senate, as John described. There, the majority uh, favours the, the Republicans still, and because you require a two-thirds majority, um, you would require a good 20 Republicans, as well as all Democrats and independents, to uh, vote against Trump to convict uh, Donald Trump and remove him from office and in an election year um, and this trial would probably be I think it's most likely to happen in January um, if the time frame all goes to plan I think both parties would want this to be over with at the start of the year I mm. don't think it's in the interest either of the Democrats or the Republicans of course to have this continue drag out through election year I think the Democrats will be aware that they're probably going to lose this one uh, and the sooner it's over the better um, and 
Yeah, after that, if, if Trump is uh, acquitted, uh, inverted commas, in the Senate, uh, he'll go around saying he was exonerated and acquitted mm-hmm. and found not guilty and he did nothing wrong. Um, I think then the Democrats will see this as just you know what a political process is. Uh, it is all very partisan. Um, and... You know, there'll be questions about whether this was the right thing to do. Remember Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, was very reluctant to start the whole impeachment proceedings in the first place, probably because she knew this was what was going to happen. But mm. she did see it as sort of a duty, uh, as that's how she described it. Oh, Nancy. Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. But I think she was actually right that this, in a sense, is a distraction, that um, what the um, Democrats have got going for them, especially with this new left in the Democrats, is alternative policies, big policies. And, yes, yeah, so in a way, it's, it's, it's rather odd that it's actually the left in the party, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who have been pushing Nancy, Nancy Pelosi to take out this uh, impeachment process against Trump, whereas really for that left, what they're all about, is policy and new ideas and big ideas and transformation so um, we all have limited time and uh, politicians have limited time and, and really do they want to do do key democratic um, leaders really want to put all their time into uh, this impeachment process and making that the focus and as Jeffrey said um, it's more than likely or it's almost 100% likely that um, um, Trump will get off uh, once it goes to the Senate. Uh, he would, um, so it's it's yeah. It seems like a whole lot of wasted energy, unless you say that um, uh, people who have voted for Trump will be so outraged by the accusations here that, that that they'll switch over to the Democrats. But I don't think we're seeing any indication of that. And of course, um, before Donald Trump even became president, there were lots of accusations against him mm. of being a bit of a sleaze bag, uh, misogynist, or even rape. Accusations and, and and his whole you know dodgy dealings with his business. He doesn't release his uh, uh, tax accounts, etc. And it, it didn't really hurt him. He still became president. No. So it seems like um, the Democrats are going are using the same tactics that they used uh, before uh, Donald Trump became uh, president to, to basically sort of show him as a immoral, amoral character and it didn't work before work. Um, and again it's surprising that the left, uh, the new left or new new left and the Democrats are, are, are pushing hard for impeachment because it, that doesn't really seem to be their, their, what they're all about. Mm. Yeah, and if you look at the polling, I mean, it's pretty much fifty-fifty, and it has been, you know, for for months um, whether Trump should be removed from office or not. And the impeachment hearings don't seem to really uh, change minds. You know, if that had gone up to two-thirds of Americans uh, wanted Trump removed from office, that could be the thing that would ha- would have some impact on the senators. Um, you know, who may think, well, actually, Trump is so you know, corrupt to the core, we need to get rid of him, Um, you know, he's going to drag us all down uh, next year, Um, we're not going to win the presidency for another term and he's going to drag down senators um, and uh, congressmen and congresswomen. Um, That doesn't seem to be the case though, we've got a 50-50 split of Americans, people who hated Trump before still hate him, people who loved Trump before still love him and Mm. uh, while that's the case I I can only see Trump being uh, acquitted in the Senate. All right, well, we're, uh, we're out of time now. Thank you both for coming in. But, yeah, I mean, there's people out there that believe that that photo of uh, Trump put on that muscly body was real. Um, so uh, It wasn't real? Uh, no, it, w- it wasn't real. Um, but, you know, that tells you. That, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. 
That was the Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.